Good morning, everybody. <laughs> I hope you had a good sleep. If you're anything like me, then sleeping in a strange place is not always the easiest. I sometimes struggle with that. So that's one of the reasons why on my retreats, that if I ever give any more, there will never be a wake-up time on the schedule. <laughs> you can sleep in if you want. Maybe some people are still asleep in their huts right now. That reminds me of this uh, time that this is a joke coming up to wake you up. There was monks teaching in the city center that we have in Perth. And during the talk that the monk gave, one man just walked out in the middle of the talk, just walked out of the door. And the monk afterwards went to that man's wife, who was still in the, in the hall, and said, I just saw your husband walking out right in the middle of my talk. And the lady said, oh, don't worry. My husband's been walking in his sleep for years. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of another joke. Want another one? Yeah, why not? Man goes to the doctor and, the, and because he's been sick for a long time. And the doctor says, uh, I'm sorry, I've got bad news for you. The man says, what is it? The doctor says, you've only got three more months to live. And there's nothing we can do. And the man is like, really, doctor, nothing? Nothing that we can do? No, says the doctor. As doctors, we can do nothing. But anything, anything, I'm willing to do anything to make my life longer. Then the doctor says, well, if you're really willing to do everything, then I recommend you go every day and listen to the talks by the monks <laughs> from Bodhiyana Monastery. And the man says, how? Will that make my life any longer? And the doctor says, well, you'll still be living for three months, but they'll be the three longest months you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope the talks aren't that bad. Okay, enough for jokes. No, serious stuff. No. So yesterday I talked about being in the present moment and about not running off with our thoughts into the future or dwelling on the past. Also about not having expectations. Remember this one? Expectations, nothing. When you meditate, don't expect anything. Because expectations are always about the future. Expectations are not about where we are right now. Same with our desires or our, I should be like this, I must be like this, I want this, I expect this. All about the future. When we meditate, we settle down into the present moment. This is what the Buddha had to say about that. 
have to write it down because I can't remember all this. This is the Buddha. It's the, for those who are not, maybe not familiar, I was taught there would be many people not Buddhist, which is cool. Uh, you don't have to be a Buddhist to meditate, but the Buddha is basically a monk like us, lived a long time ago in India, and uh, just a human being, but he had some very good insights in the nature of life. And one thing he said was, don't revive the past or yearn for the future. The past is gone. The future hasn't arrived. Be aware of what happens in the present. Practice to be aware of it, unmoved, unshaken. And it sounds so simple, right? Just be in the present moment. That's it. <laughs> but if you have been meditating for a while, you'll realize it's not always that easy. You sit there and you meditate. Maybe you're in the present moment for a while and you run off again thinking about the future or about the past. And why do we do this? It's partly because we are not content in the present moment. We are always looking for something, something new. We cannot accept the present moment as it is. So what we have to do is to learn to be happy with what is and to embrace the moment as it is and not run away from it. This is one thing we often do in our meditation. We go into the future just to run away from the present moment. We don't want to see it as it is. That is the story of the postman and the dog. The story of the postman and the dog. Let's call him Postman Pat. Is that is kind of a TV show, I think. Postman Pat. I'll call him Postman Pat. So Postman Pat was doing his mail round one day or delivering all the letters and the packages to all the people of the town. Postman Pat was very happy with his job. But then he came to one house and it had a fence around the garden. A Postman Pat opened the fence to deliver the letter. But what happened? A huge dog! Wow! One of those Rottweilers or whatever you call them, the, the, the scary ones, right? And it had the biggest teeth and one of these collars with all the spikes, you know. I, I used to be afraid of dogs as, as a kid, so I'm getting all, almost scared just telling you about this. I was once attacked by a dog as a, as a kid and it was really scary. But anyway, that's another story. This, this time, <laughs> Postman Pat got a charged by the dog. The dog leaped out of the, of the garden and Postman Pat, he didn't wait, he started running away from the dog. Get away dog, go away. He tried to run faster than the dog but the dog always kept following him. He couldn't get away. Postman Pat didn't know what to do, took his packages and started throwing them onto the dog hoping to get rid of the dog. But the dog of course just kept running after Postman Pat. And Postman Pat went all over town, east, north, west, through all the, all the, all the uh, alleyways and all the streets. But the dog just kept following him everywhere. And at some point Postman Pat took the wrong turn. And he got into a 
and one way, a, de a dead, dead way alley, is that what you call it? Dead way street. Sorry? Call the sack, where you cannot go back. And Postman Pat was also really tired. He actually couldn't run anymore. So there he was, Postman Pat, in cornered in the uh, dead end street and tired. And to the right of him was a wall. To the left of him was a wall. To the back of him was also a wall. And in front of him, the Rottweiler. The scary dog that was going to bite him. And Postman Pat just let go. Let me be bitten then by this dog. And the dog leaped up into Postman Pat's face and licked him gently in the face. <laughs> and then the dog ran off into the distance. And the dog stands for suffering that we always try to get away from. The, the suffering that we experience in the present moment. We try to run away from it, go east, go west, always try to go somewhere else than where we are right now. But when we actually stop, like stop running and just be, accept what is happening, we realize it's actually not so bad. It's like the dog licking us in the face. We can actually be with the moment and whatever it brings. If we are content and we don't keep running, we can be happy. Even if the moment sometimes is a bit painful, we can be content. And through contentment, we find peace. So we will be all be postman pets, hopefully, <laughs> during this retreat. To not... <coughs> yeah, yeah, I can put it in so many words, but in the end you have to feel what it's like to just be with whatever is. And I think most of you who have been meditating earlier in your life, not just come for the first time on this retreat, but we've been meditating before, you've had these moments that you just happy to be with whatever is going on in your body and mind and in the world. And that is so, so nice when you can be like that. What we try in meditation is see if we can expand those moments, make them longer, see if we can just be at peace for long stretch of, stretches of time. And what happens is, you'll notice, the peace doesn't just stay peace, it becomes more peaceful and it becomes more at ease. And your whole body and mind gently settles down and, and the suffering gets less and less. You get less restless, the thoughts dissipate more and more and you feel more and more at peace with yourself. Your body becomes more relaxed. And this is all very healthy for your, both for your mind and body. Because you give yourself a break. I don't know about what you do for a living. You're probably not postman's, but uh, <laughs> you might be uh, having other jobs and other things in your life. And you're constantly doing things going this place, going that place. It's necessary, there's nothing wrong with it. But in life we all often are so busy and we don't give ourselves a break, really. We might sleep, 
meditation is uh, not like sleep. Well, sometimes it's like sleep, to be honest. <laughs> like the man who walked out during the talk who was also asleep. Anyway, uh, meditation gives us an opportunity to rest while we are still awake. Actually, we are very awake. And I don't know exactly what it is, but this allows our mind and body to rest far beyond just sleep. If you have good meditation, then uh, you will need less sleep as well. And I've had that sometimes. I didn't need to sleep for days because my meditation was so good. And you just, it's not like you force yourself not to sleep, you just don't need it because your mind is so sharp from meditating. You just can be awake uh, for a long time. And it's also very healthy for your body as well. Because many sicknesses and many pains as well actually are all caused, well, not all caused, but many are caused or aggravated by what's going on in our mind. Does it, do any of you know about the placebo effect? Probably do. The placebo effect, for those who might not know or need a refresher, is uh, when uh, the doctors might give you a pill to get better, but the pill actually doesn't physically do anything. It's just, they call it the sugar pill or whatever. It's just nothing chemical in it that makes you better, but just the idea that you had a pill and make, makes people actually better, not just feel better, but actually it relieves many of the diseases. And this is called the placebo effect. People think they are um, being treated and just the thought that they're being treated makes the disease go away. And this shows you that there's actually the power of the mind to relieve these diseases. When the mind uh, believes that is that you're being healed, it heals the body. And in meditation we can actually learn to do this consciously as well. We can use the power of the mind to heal the body as well as the mind. I'm not saying that you can heal all diseases with meditation. I don't want to be that kind of a guru who says I've got the, uh, the uh, solution for all your illnesses. It's not like that. But we underappreciate the ability that we all have inside of our minds to heal ourselves. Because we always think when something physically is wrong with us, we need a physical treatment. But uh, maybe try also, see what happens by using your mind as well. And what you do is, first of all, you start Again, in the present moment. Settle down in the present moment. And then, remember yesterday I was talking about accepting the way things are. If you have a sickness and you go with the sickness, like, I don't want you, go away sickness. You are the bad, the worst. Then you will only get more sick. But if you accept the sickness and let it be, and really have kindness towards it, then 
you can actually uh, relieve much of the sickness. I once had, uh, during one of our retreats in the monastery, I had this really bad nasal infection. I remember very well, it was mainly in the right side of my face and my nose just kept dripping and dripping for the whole day and I had a really bad headache all throughout my face, especially the right side of my face and just felt very, very tired and I was about to, I don't know, go see a doctor or something. But it, all day it's been getting worse and worse and it was already getting late and I was just lying in bed hope, hoping to fall asleep because I thought at least if I'm asleep I don't have to feel all this pain and I could just uh, maybe wake up in the morning a bit better but I couldn't fall asleep because the pain was just keeping me awake. Then I realized, ah, I'm a monk and Ajahn Brahm always talks about meditation and healing sicknesses. Maybe I should give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> instead of just trying to fall asleep. So what I did, sat up in my bed, on my bed, meditate, do what I always do, try and relax the body, be in the present moment and just accept the pain in my face and the congestion and dripping of my nose. And it was very difficult at first because it's not easy to focus on something that's unpleasant. It's much easier to focus on your meditation when everything is very peaceful and happy, but if you're in pain and it's not working so well, then it's much more difficult. But I managed to do it and just focusing slowly, very kindly onto the pain in my face. And I can't really explain it any much better than at some point I just went into into the center of the sickness, as it were. I just went sort of right inside it. And at that moment, it's like exploded. I can't explain it any better. And poof. And it, I knew it just was gone at that moment. All the pain disappeared. My nose kept, stopped dripping. And I felt amazing. And then I realized, oh, what Ajibra has been telling us is, is actually true. You can heal these sicknesses like that, just by being in the present moment, accepting and kind. And finally, just a few weeks later, Ajahn Brahm told us a story about his teacher, Ajahn Chah, when he had malaria. And Ajahn Chah said, or Ajahn Brahm said, Ajahn Chah told us that when he had malaria, he couldn't explain it any different. He just went right into the center of it. <laughs> and then it just exploded. He used the exact same words that I was using to myself to explain what I did. So, but then actually, Ajahn Chah healed his malaria as well that way. Because he lived in a very poor country, uh, poor part of Thailand, and they did not have any, uh, any uh, medical treatment there. So the monks really had to do it that way. Anyway, I don't know why I actually went into all this thing about pain and sickness. But the central idea in meditation is always the same, whether you're sick or not. We stay with it, stay with our experience and accept it and embrace it 
and be kind to it. Especially be kind to the present moment. Accept life the way it presents itself to us. Now, when monks like me teach people about being in the present moment, then there's two ways of being in the present moment. And often people do one way, but I'm going to teach you now the secret other way, the better way. Because how can you be in the present moment? There's two ways, and I will explain it using the simile of the cup. Some of you might know the simile of the cup. The goal of the cup simile, the cup game, let's call it, the, the, the cup game is a simile for meditation, and the goal of the game is to get the water in the cup to be still. This is like the mind, not moving to the past and future. The mind is still and content in the present moment. That's the goal of this game. So how do you get the water in the cup to be still? Well, this is the first way. I'm gonna keep the cup really still. Oh yeah, the water is moving less. Still moving though. Still moving, come on, be still already. Are you still yet? No. Ah, I just can't keep it still. And at some point you'll get tired even, and then it's even starting to move more. No matter how, how uh, tightly you try to hold the cup, the water will always move. This is how many people meditate. They try to hold the present moment. It's, it's like sort of a, a tightness inside of them, inside of the mind, to just try and keep the present moment afraid that it will slip away from them. But who knows another way to get the water to be still in the cup? <laughs> yes, some people do. You put the cup down. And at first, because you make a big movement, it moves a bit more than before, but now I see it gently settling down. And this is what we do in meditation. This is the best way to be with the present moment. Not to hold the present moment tightly, but to let go of control in our minds and just let the present moment come to us and let the mind settle naturally. Let the mind Like the water settles in this cup, if we are kind to the mind, just let things go, it will settle naturally in the present moment. Don't know if that makes any sense to you, but have a look inside your mind when you're meditating. How do you try to be with the things that are? Are you trying to hold on to it, afraid that the mind, the mind might slip away into the past or future, or are you just letting things be and letting the present moment just open up to you, not controlling the mind too much. You might find that if you do the first method of trying to keep, trying to keep the mind still, it works for a while. You can stay in the present moment, fair enough, but it'll never become truly peaceful. 
because you always have this kind of tension inside of you. Just like the water is never truly still if I hold the cup. If you do the second method, it's, it's scary actually, because you actually have to let go of control. Like right now I can do with the cup what I want, but if I put it down, I can't. I have to let go of the cup. The same with meditation, it's scary to let go of some of the control in your mind. But that is the only way to really find true peace. Because now, this is the way the water can really settle. I hope that makes some sense to you. Try it out. So being in the present moment requires some courage, you could say, to let go of the past and the future. It also requires that we feel safe inside the present moment and safe inside ourselves, really, safe inside our body and mind. And now you might say, well, that's a, that's a silly thing to say, be safe inside your body and mind. Some of you might think, I, I'm, why would you not feel safe inside yourself? But for many people, it's actually often a challenge to feel safe inside themselves. Or safe, especially when you close your eyes and you come close to yourself in a way by meditating. It can be scary, actually. And this is why here in Jhana Grove we always try to create uh, a kind and safe environment. I hope that is a success. <laughs> I hope people have been doing well. Maybe some of you know the... Uh, I think it was a psychiatrist called Maslow, and he made this hierarchy of needs. And it's often portrayed as a pyramid. You might have heard of it. It's very quite famous. And the hierarchy of needs, the very bottom of the hierarchy of needs is like physical things we need. Food and shelter and warmth. Well, today you had breakfast, there will be lunch as well, so that's food settled. You've got very excellent rooms with an ensuite. Wow, I'm jealous. I don't even have that. <laughs> so, you've got very good shelter as well. And, well, it's, there's a lot of blankets, but uh, it's warm enough, I hope. Yeah, so, we've got warm shelter, everything. What is the second requirement according to the hierarchy of needs? You might say maybe. Yeah, that's, that's what you would assume, I was going to say, you might say that. But the second layer is actually safety. A, a feeling, well, first of all, physical safety, but also uh, a feeling of mental safety. This is actually the second requirement that this psychologist came up with. And I think he is right there. And also, not... Just in life itself, we need a feeling of safety, but especially when meditating as well. 
And very much at the top of the pyramid of Maslow is the self-actualization or self-development, uh, you could say. But one important thing I want to point out now is this feeling of safety that we need. So I hope you are here in this hall. We are all together with good people. No need to fear what other people are going to do. No need to lock your room as well. Nobody's gonna steal your stuff. I know, Sharanga, you said people should be like burglars in their rooms, but only that quiet part, not the stealing part, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I never lock my uh, hut over here in Bodhiyana because I know I can trust everybody who comes along. And so can you here in this place as well. It's, uh, a good atmosphere here. There's been so many retreats, so many great meditations and great teachings have been given here. But still, I can tell you all that, but sometimes it's not easy to create this uh, sense of safety that I'm talking about. Just, I have to say to some of you what I'm saying about safety may not relate at all because you always feel kind of safe wherever you go. But some people might realize that some places, or sometimes you just get anxious or fearful. Maybe it seems almost for no reason. And sometimes, especially when you close your eyes and you sit and you come close to yourself, for some reason, it can be quite scary sometimes. We lose this sense of safety that I'm talking about. And... Actually, the Buddha, when he talked about his meditation before he was enlightened, he doesn't talk about it often, but the couple times that he talks about it, actually, he was also saying that he had fear in his meditation. And this is quite amazing when you read that. The teacher of all the teachers, the number one meditator, right? Like the uh, Lewis Hamilton of meditation, you could say. <laughs> he struggled with fear. And this is why I'm bringing it up right now, because fear and a lack of sense of safety is one thing that so easily can derail our meditation. And it's something that we can easily not know that it's actually going on. And uh, because you might easily sort of try and ignore it and just try and be in the present but it's just sort of scary I don't know does it make any sense to anybody yeah I see some nods that's good enough maybe not to everybody but yeah it makes sense to the teddy bear and this is one of the reasons why we have the teddy bears actually you, some people might be wondering why is these teddy bears there <laughs> like I did probably first time I saw them but uh one of the reasons of the teddy bears is if you are like Venerable Metaji and you pick up a teddy bear, actually my favorite is this one. Oh, I can't, I can't walk away. Right here. I'm afraid of bears. <laughs> no, not really. 
when I was meditating or doing a retreat with Ajahn Brahm once in this uh, meditation center. And I was basically Ajahn Brahm's assistant, like Venerable Metaji is mine now. And then uh, <laughs> Ajahn Brahm was teaching about the teddy bears. And then I picked up this one. And then Ajahn Brahm said to me, of course, that's the one Sunya likes. <laughs> I don't know, I just like weird things, I suppose. I don't know if it, this is a Pokemon or whatever or not, but uh, I like it. Anyway, the thing is, with teddy bears, it gives you something soft and something comfortable to hold. It, sound, it looks a bit childish at first, but it does actually work. It gives you a sense of caring and a sense of, uh, yeah, a sense of safety. I don't know how else to put it. It's just... It sort of grounds you in a way. And Ajahn Brahm also calls it bare awareness. <laughs> There's this meditation teaching called bare awareness, B-A-R-E, awareness, which is quite famous uh, throughout the world. And, uh, but this is bare awareness, B-E-A-R, awareness. So try it out. Uh, if you want, just pick up one of the bears, maybe even this one, if you want. And I see some people already did. <laughs> if you feel it's childish, just give it a shot. It's not, it's not as a silly idea as it seems, actually. It does actually, surprisingly, it does work. But coming back to the topic of safety as well. Because to me, it's such an important thing to emphasize. We can do this thing with the bears to help us out. But also sometimes other things might work as well. Some people, for example, you sit here meditating and maybe you don't like being in the center of the room, for example. Some people get a bit anxious by being in the middle of the room because there's people all around you. And don't feel afraid, like some people have already done, to sit in the, at the side of the room or in the back, lean against the wall if you want to. Things like this. You have to create a place for meditation where you feel at ease, where you feel comfortable. And if there's anything that catch you out of your, let's say, your comfort zone in a way, then don't let that become overwhelming. Sometimes to go outside of your comfort zone a little bit is good, because if you always stay in your comfort zone, you don't learn too much, or don't learn anything really. But if you go too far outside of your comfort zone, <laughs> then this is what can trigger too much uh, anxiety and fear sometimes. I don't want to scare you off meditation or anything, <laughs> but it's, it's maybe relatable to some of you. I want to make these retreats not only about uh, all the bliss and happiness which you can get from meditation, because it's all very nice to hear about that, but sometimes you hear about all these teachings about happiness and bliss, and you're like, well, maybe you get a lot of happiness and bliss, but I get also all these other problems. And I just want to make this, uh, hopefully some of you can relate to 
what I'm talking about. Like what I said yesterday as well with the uh, happiness and suffering. And there are two sides of the coin. If I would only talk about happiness and you go and meditate and you get the suffering, <laughs> and then you would be like, well, you can't relate to your teaching because I get suffering. But no, it's all part of life, suffering. You can't avoid it. So even in meditation, sometimes it's like that. So don't be afraid to uh, not be happy sometimes during meditation. Anyway, yeah, so the feeling of being, uh, yeah, being safe, there's no really other words you can put it in. It's very important in meditation. And do whatever you feel necessary to make this retreat for you feel like it is a safe place. Many people have got blankets around them because of the call, but blankets also provide us often with a sense of safety. It, because it's just it's sort of similar with the teddy bears. It's something to 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 hug and some something around you. It's sort of like a barrier that protects you. And there's been a few times in my monastic life. Usually I'm very happy and everything's going pretty well, but there's been a few times that I just really struggled and I just, uh, I didn't know what to do anymore. And what did I do? A couple times I went to my hut and just grabbed my robe and just hugged my robe like that. Because this robe is my best friend and it's sort of like a blanket in a way. You can put it around you. And it protects me in a way from, it's like, uh, it signifies that I'm a monk. And it uh, protects me from a lot of things that monks should stay away from. Yeah. Essential things in the world, for example. And just by being in my hut with my robe just around me and hugging it like that, I just felt comfort, comforted. Now, you don't have a robe, but you might have your own little tricks and things to make you feel safe. And please try and do those things. Another thing you might be when I talk about meditation and I might say you can close your eyes. But you don't have to do that. Sometimes you close your eyes, you get so close to yourself, it can be a bit too much sometimes for people. And feel, also feel free to... Keep your eyes open, yeah? Or if you feel like you've been sitting too long, don't feel like you have to. All these things, you have to find your own ways to uh, feel like you can, like you can be in that place where you are without having to worry uh, or without triggering anything uh, uh, fearful. I hope that makes any sense to anybody. And that is one step that we use in meditation just to arrive in the present moment. In the present moment, as I said before, we can find a lot of peace because we are not running off into the future and into the past. But we can also find a lot of awareness 
in the present moment. When the mind gets peaceful and settles down and is not losing all its energy by going into the future or the past, because it takes a lot of energy. You think about the future, you think about the past. It's all this stuff going on in your mind. But by coming into the present moment, allowing things just to be, and allowing the thoughts gradually to settle down and fade away, you open up this whole heap of energy that you usually spend on thinking, and this energy can go into just being aware. This is what we also call mindfulness. The mind just becomes brighter and everything can start to look much more beautiful. I remember being a layperson and at one point, on oh, a layperson, maybe a little background, I grew up in the Netherlands and I lived in the city of Rotterdam most of my life and I studied in another city called Delft and every day I had to get the metro back and, and the train back and forth from Rotterdam to Delft to go to university. And it was always a, quite a boring trip, you know, you sit there in the metro and you go to university and come back again. But one day I had this really nice meditation as a layperson and I went into the metro and wow, all the lights of the metro they were so beautiful and everything I saw, I can remember even now, looked so beautiful. And why was that? Not because somebody turned the lights brighter or anything. It's because my mind became brighter. I became more aware. By, and by being more aware, everything just looked more beautiful. Just, and when, when the mind becomes sharper, that is one advantage. Life becomes more joyful and things become more beautiful. Even your food tastes better when you are uh, more, more aware and mindful. Sometimes as monks we go on retreat and people uh, or other monks then often bring us food. We just stay in our hut for two weeks and we don't even come out for lunch. But other monks, they fill our alms bowl, let's say the alms bowl, they fill it up. Well, it's a bit bigger than this, don't worry. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to live on that, but it's actually quite big. But they, they put the food in and then they just bring the bowl to our hut and then we just eat there. And one <laughs> retreat I had, and I don't know why I was so silly, but I was just eating there every day the food and I was like, wow, how come... When I'm on retreat, people bring so much better food than usually. <laughs> Maybe I'm just always, when I fill my own bowl, am I putting the wrong stuff in? <laughs> Does this monk who fills my bowl know my taste much better than me? But then after a few days, I realized, actually, oh, it's just because I'm more aware when I'm on retreat. I more, have more mindfulness to be able to taste the food as it actually is. That's why it tastes better. It's not because people decide to bring better food all of a sudden. <laughs> so that's how you can be more aware and you can enjoy life better. And you can also make less mistakes because when we're not aware and we're just going 
following blindly our desires and fears, we often make stupid mistakes. But when we are, know what's going on in life, it's more likely that we do not uh, do stupid things. And I know I've been talking a lot of serious stuff about safety and fear and stuff. So it's time for another joke. <laughs> and this is about the unmindful pirate. So this was actually happened in Hollywood. And there was a director who wanted to write the next pirate movie. What is it called? Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever they, those movies are called with Johnny Depp, and, but Johnny Depp, well, uh, he was in his, uh, in, his, in his lawsuit, so he couldn't do the next movie. <laughs> he was too busy. And, well, this is the crazy thing. Monks, yesterday I said, we will tell you about the news when something uh, happens that you will need to know, but I actually, I don't follow the news at all, so when I walked out of here, I was like, oh, how can I tell them if I don't follow at all? <laughs> but for some reason, I, st I do know that there is a trial with Johnny Depp. So uh, don't ask me how I know that. But this is the thing that people apparently are interested in. Anyway, so Johnny Depp was busy and he couldn't do the movie. So the director had to find another actor for the movie. And he was walking through Hollywood finding seeing if he could find somebody who had the right look, the right appeal. And whoa, what did he saw? Just sitting there at a the table. There was this man, and he had an actual wooden leg. Not only did he have a wooden leg, he also had a hook on his hand, and even the eye patch. Complete picture, right? So the director went up to him and said, you, I need you for my movie. You look like a pirate. And the man, the man sitting there said, ah, yes, that's because I am a pirate. <laughs> and the director said, oh, that's amazing. You, you are exactly what I need. Yeah. But before, before I let you act in my movie, tell me a bit about your history. How did you get that wooden leg? Argue, matey! We were sailing in the Mediterranean and we got boarded by other pirates and we fought them and I got my machete and but one cut my leg off and that's how I got my wooden leg. Arg. <laughs> And the director said, wow, that's amazing. You, you have the experience that I need for my movie. How about the hook then? Yeah, we were sailing in the big oceans in the north. And I was gonna get some fish. But a big shark came and it bit my hand right off. And so that's how I got the hook. Arr. Wow, amazing experience again, said the director. So now one more thing I need to know. How about that eye patch? And then, argue, matey, that's another long story. We were sailing and 
the weather was getting a bit bad. So I looked up and a seagull pooped right in my eye. <laughs> and the director said, what? Why would you need an eye patch for that? And uh, that's what, not what you need an eye patch for. Argh, you matey, that was just two days after I got that hook. <laughs> Silly, but this is the unmindful pirate, you know. Had a hook, but wasn't in the present moment, wasn't aware of what he was doing, and hooked himself right in the eye. That is when you are unmindful. Of course, you won't literally hook yourself in the eye, but you'll cause yourself often lots of other problems by just following blindly your desires, your fears, and also, most important, blindly following your anger as well. You probably all know, you might have hurt people or hurt yourself out of your anger. And I'm not saying there's anything bad with that, I've done it as well, of course, but through meditation we can settle down and not only do our restlessness disappear, also our anger can disappear as well because we learn to be more kind and accepting of the present moment and of ourselves and by doing that we also learn to be more kind and accepting of other people as well. And we won't be hurting other people as much, hopefully. So that's the little talk I've got for you today. And let's do another guided meditation. But I'll first I'll give you uh, some minutes to stretch again and maybe go visit the toilet if you need. For those visiting the toilet, Ajahn Brahm often tells, tells a story about being mindful. <laughs> I'll tell it later. Okay, I think most of us are back. So we'll do a little uh, meditation in a moment, but before we do, before you all walked out, I said, uh, for those going to the toilet, uh, the story about uh, <laughs> that Ajahn Brown sometimes teaches about being mindful in the toilet. Well, it's a bit of a weird story, but there is some, uh, there is some deeper uh, things to learn from it, because this is how it goes. Ajahn Brown often tells this story during the retreat when he talks about how the mind empowered by being in the present when what I talked about before, when this energy goes into our awareness, what can happen? I told you the story when I first time that I really experienced this as a lay person, seeing the much brighter lights in the uh, in the in the subway station, and Ajahn Brahm talks about these kinds of experiences as well. But one is especially funny. <laughs> Because he talks about when he was once teaching a retreat here. He was teaching a retreat and talking about how and the empowered mind can see beauty in things. Yeah, I talked about the beauty in the food and in the light. But this time for Ajahn Brahm it was really funny. Because 
he went to the toilet and before he, he did a big number two, he said, and before he flushed it, he looked back in the bowl and wow, he couldn't believe how beautiful <laughs> it looked. <laughs> Amazing. The best, the best dung he's ever seen. Or dung, we call it dung. And he was so beautiful. It was like glistering. <laughs> There's a little layer on top around. And it was so beautiful. He didn't want to flush it. But then he realized it was just his mind making things look beautiful. And it was not that his shit was so beautiful. <laughs> He's a beautiful teacher, but I don't think his shit will be so beautiful. So then he flushed it, luckily. <laughs> yeah, otherwise it'd still be floating there. Maybe it would be sawed at one of his auctions or something. <laughs> well, no, he flushed it. But the idea is that even in things that we normally consider repulsive, when the mind is empowered, you can see beauty as well. And then this is a simile for that if things get painful, we can also learn to see that as beautiful as well. And actually we can change our perceptions of pain. And well, I said I would do a guided meditation, but I'm inspired to tell you a bit more about that, so why not? We can actually change our perception of pain as well, not just the perception of something like shit, which we would not normally consider ugly, but also pain, which we normally would consider ugly. Because I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of research going on in the world about how pain actually works. Um, and by this, I mean physically, physical pain for now. And what these researchers have come to conclude is that pain is not actually something that is physical inside of our body. It's actually something that the mind creates. This is what they say. And because they look at the body and see how all the neurons in the brain work and how the, uh, I mean, how the uh, nerves work in the body, and they have realized that for painful stimuli, the nerve network uh, works exactly the same as for pleasant stimuli. If something painful or something perceived as painful happens to your body, the whole physical uh, things with the, with the signaling in your body, I'm not a scientist in this, so I don't know the right words, but they use all these fancy words, but it's exactly the same system as when something pleasant happens to your body. And once I listened to this talk about one of these pain researchers, he, was, he is an Australian. If ever you, don't do it on, while you're on this retreat, but if you go back home, maybe look up, uh, it was some sort of TED talk and it was really funny. It was this Australian researcher and he talks about pain and how it's all in, in the brain, he says, as all perception. And he talks about how once he was walking through the bush as a young man, he's walking through the bush and he felt something brush past his leg, the bottom of his leg. And he was just like, oh, 
and he said the signal biologically just went up to his brain and his brain or his mind you could say interpret it as have we experienced something like that before yeah we just walk in and a bush little bush just or a little bit of grass just stroke our leg nothing to worry about so he walked on and then a little bit later he went for a swim and actually he lost consciousness and why because he was actually bitten by a brown snake that what he thought was just a little twig was actually a snake biting him and these snakes have really venomous poison so you would expect that his mind would interpret it or that it would feel very painful in the body but he said his mind just interpreted as nothing to worry about years later he was walking through the bush again Mosley that was his name Mosley M-O-S-E-L-Y and he was walking through the bush again and something hit his leg again and he said the biological signal was exactly the same it went up my leg and through to my brain and the brain was like have we experienced this before yes and we almost died that time so ah <laughs> he was in agony he was screaming out in pain white hot pain he's all through his lower leg then his friend who was walking with him looked at his leg and saw just a scratch of a little bush on his leg and that's the story he uses to explain that the way we experience physical sensations in the body is really determined by the way we perceive it and this sounds incredible but it's actually you realize it's true also through meditation you can change your perception of pain one time I was uh, making a cup of tea in my in my hut in the monastery and I was doing it very clumsily because I was holding way too many stuff and uh, what I did is I had this boiling kettle of water and I uh, wanted to go inside to put it in my cup so here I have this boiling kettle of water and I had to open the door somehow and I for some reason I thought I'd open the door like this <laughs> you know with the kettle in my hand I think that's exactly what happened <laughs> what happened of course hot water all over my hand boiling hot water ah that hurt well, first thing you do is don't go sit down meditating of course when you when you burn your hand so I put cold water on it so that that took most of the pain away but later I s sat in my hut and really my hand was really hurting really a lot but I, I decided just to focus on the pain instead of trying to get it to go away to just accept it again here's the word acceptance again which we decided or I decided is going to be the theme of this retreat I just accepted the pain and the moment I really fully accepted it something really strange happens which I never expected it transformed itself and it felt really nice it felt really pleasant the whole feeling changed just by the way I looked at it if I change the way I look at it uh, the whole pain changed as well 
and there's this saying. When you change the way you look at things, the thing you look at changes. I don't know who made up that saying, but it's a very wise saying. And it does not only apply to pain in our, in our, in our body, but all, all the things in the world. Yeah, so I don't know why I told that, but uh, maybe useful. But let's do some meditation together, instead of me just talking all the time. And in this meditation I will guide you through finding a sense of safety and then arriving in the present moment with kindness and an open heart. So the first thing I always do to find this sense of safety and comfort is to find a nice position that we can sit in. Just find a nice posture. You'll be sitting a lot during this retreat, so make sure you sit properly, the way that is right for your body at this particular time. Just fiddle around a bit with your shoulders and legs or whatever you need to do to find a good solid ease easeful posture Don't underestimate the importance of this step in the meditation. Because this is part of being kind and wise. Kind and wise with respect to our body. Use as many cushions as you want. Blankets, anything you need. And let go of any unnecessary tension in your body. We often keep a lot of tension in our shoulders, so just relax your shoulders. As if you're putting down heavy weights. Just let your shoulders be at ease.
and also the muscles in your neck. Just let them relax. Imagine like it's this tight spring that you can finally unwind. Like you unwind the tension in the muscles in your neck. muscles around your eyes and in your face. No need to keep any tension there. Just let go of all stress that you might have been keeping in your face. any tension, let it drop away. The shoulders, neck and face all relaxed as much as we reasonably can right now. Those are three of the main places where people generally keep a lot of tension. There's also other places in the body which can be under tension, so relax those as well. Wherever you feel the need to send some kindness and relaxation in your body, please, please do so. Because we care for our bodies. There is vehicle which has been has been there for us for all these years. It's time to do something back for the body. Just let it become at ease. as if you're giving your body a mental massage almost.
Just relax. Now the thing with the body is it will never be perfect. It's always going to be some aches left that you cannot just simply relax away. So what do we do with those? We accept them as they are. This is the way life is right now. What better can we do than just embrace it with kindness? Tell your body it's okay to be some places in pain. It's okay that you are hurting. I accept fully with my whole heart the body as you are. Now there might be certain tightnesses in your body that make you feel like you want to run away. And if you don't have them in your body, you might have them in your mind. Either way, remind yourself that this is a safe place. Create that sense of belonging here. The sense that whatever will happen in the next Twenty or so minutes of this meditation. It's all okay. We no need to fear it or run away from it.
this sense of safety and belonging that this meditation center and this group of people will carry us in a way through the difficult times we are in a sense in the presence of the Buddha of a wise person who understands completely our problems and suffering and has nothing but compassion and kindness for us Just now, if you want to deepen this sense of safety, another meditation method is to imagine yourself being in a certain place or with a certain person that makes you feel safe. Maybe some place where you spend a lot of time in the past where you felt at ease. Or a person who was always there for you. For the Buddhists among us, you could even imagine being with somebody like the Buddha. Just use your imagination to create this sense of safety. I imagine being back in the first monastery I ever visited in England. It was the winter retreat and it was all snow outside. And the whole monastery was cold except for this one small room where all the monks and lay people would come together to meditate the fire on and the clock gently ticking on the wall it felt so safe there so imagine your own place or person to be with that made you feel also safe.
try and imagine all the details of that situation. And see if you can find this spark of feeling at ease with nothing to worry about. This feeling of being safe and protected. Like nothing's going to harm you. Just be with that, with that feeling. And by imagining that situation and that sense of protection, we actually bring it back to this moment. feeling that everything will work out. Nothing we need to worry about. Nothing to safeguard. We don't need to fear what the body and mind are like. Or what the future will bring. here right now and everything is going to be fine.
for those of you who want to keep developing this sense of safety using the imagination of a place or person, please do so. For those of you who feel more comfortable letting that go, please arrive here in this meditation center, in this time and place. And open up your heart to the here and now. Open up to the sounds of the birds outside, other people moving around a bit, all part of the present moment. Feelings in our body, emotions in our mind, whatever is happening right here and now, we open up to it and accept it with kindness. And if your mind moves to the past or the future, we just gently smile at the mind inside. Say to ourselves, not now. There's other times to do that, but now we realize we prefer the present moment over the past and future.
because we realize that by being in the present, we care for ourselves. And because it's very healthy for the mind and body. Do not worry about what happened or will happen. We realize that by being here and now, actually doing the best to prepare us for the future. We're doing the best to process the past. value the here and now and whatever it presents to us. I will now be quiet for another 15 minutes and let you meditate by yourselves in safety, kindness, and the present.
dear friends, we're now nearing the end of this meditation together. Take a moment just to see how you feel now. compared to how you felt before. Do you feel more at ease or not? And take inventory of why. What caused the peace or the lack of peace? without any judgment, just as an opportunity to learn. If I do A, I get B. If I do this, I get peace. If I do that, I lose some peace. Just store that information somewhere inside for next time that you'll be meditating now we end the meditation by smiling to ourselves physically pull up the corners of your mouth gently and just smile at yourself and thank yourself for this meditation. Thank you, me, for taking care. I will now invite the bell and at the third ring signals the end of the meditation. So that was a little talk about acceptance again and also about feeling safe, being in the present moment and what it can do for us in terms of health and awareness. Um, half an hour from now there will be lunch. Before that time feel free to keep meditating. I will be still be sitting here, you can join me. After that, and there will be a yoga session that you can join if you want.
I uh, do recommend it. If you've never tried it before, give it a shot. You may find it uh, very beautiful and helpful. And after the yoga session, there's an opportunity to go for a little walk, which I also recommend. And during these activities, during the lunch, during the yoga, and during the walk, try to see if you can do them with presence of mind, of what is going on right now. When you're eating your lunch, there's no need to think about what you'll be doing after this retreat, or about what I said in the talk, or anything else. Just see if you can just focus on the act of eating. And what, try to really taste the food. Often when we're eating, as lay people, you often eat with other people and you're talking during your meal. You often don't take the opportunity to really taste what food actually tastes like. So I recommend you try that. Just really try and see if you can taste every little flavor inside of the food. See, see what that is like. And during the yoga, don't keep stuck in your mind like, oh, am I doing the posture right? Is everybody looking at me? And how, how should I do this? No, instead, focus on being in the present and being with your body. Just feeling what it is like. If you decide to go for the yoga, you don't have to. Also during the walk, just enjoy the nature that surrounds you and enjoy the physical motion of walking by being with life as it is, instead of ruminating about how it isn't. So please enjoy yourselves and remember if you have any questions you can uh, write them down, put them in the box outside here. Uh, preferably connected to meditation but you can also put other questions about life that you might think a monk like me might have something funny to say about or maybe who knows, something wise, occasionally. Please put those questions in there as well, if you feel like it. Thank you. Oh, we should do sadhus. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.